Okay, great to see you all. Lloydie, I think you are a champion. I love to see you honoring people. You are amazing. I really do. I if you don't know Lloydie, I won't say Lloydie's famous. Some people know her, they actually know about World of Life. But she is, uh, she is uh, one of the volunteers that serves in our youth here in worship. I was wondering how that works because she's worshiping and practicing on Thursday while she was leading the youth upstairs at the same time. So she's in her head, she's singing and going through the songs. She wants to teach our youth. So uh, we're going to begin today. Uh, let me just first of all say, my name is Rob. If you are a visitor yet, in case you don't know who I am, hi, nice to meet you. And I'm one of the pastors here in the church. And uh, we're going to start a nine-week series now on community. So we're going to start today the title that's called I Am Community. It's like that uh, Will Smith movie, I Am Legend, except this is I Am Community. And uh, the subtitle to this would be Not an Optional Extra. And uh, we're going to do this over the next nine weeks, as I said, and as we do it, we're going to unpack what it means to be a biblical community. Because I think we're going to have all sorts of ideas around words, but God wants us to understand what He means by the particular word. And so what does He mean by the word community? Is that what we'll do over these next weeks, and hopefully it will bring about a change in us. Let me read a scripture, then I want to tell you a couple of stories. We all love stories, okay? So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27 Obviously, right at the beginning of God's Word, if you do have an actual Bible, like a book Bible, then you can flip it open to the beginning and you can read it with me. Verse 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So about a year ago, I think, we were having um, dinner at Terence and Cal's house. And uh, it, was, it was a really nice dinner. Thank you, Chantal. And uh, we were just talking and just, you know, you know what it's like when you're having conversations. And, and Terence and Cal have been involved in churches at various times in their lives in different places. And, and they really do, and uh, it's one of the things that I love about them, is that they really love Will of Life. And Kieran was just waxing lyrical about the, the goodness of the world of life. And, and he said something that really struck me. He says, I've, I've never known a church that lived out community as well as world of life. And uh, I, yeah, we've got a, um, one of our values is in authentic community. And so as, if I had got a photograph of that dinner, I would have put the hashtag in authentic community. It was one of those moments. And then a couple of months ago, Linda and I met on a Saturday afternoon with somebody, Karen is called Corium. She's um, a, a young woman who is um, a mature believer. She's been saved for about 10 years. She'd come into Dubai from another country and had joined Will of Life. And she was thinking now of leaving the church. Not in a good way, not because I can't. It's been so much that she was kind of fed up. And so uh, she did the right thing. She, um, well, her leaders helped her to do the right thing. She connects with us. And so we took the time on a Saturday afternoon to chat to her here with, with the leaders of the life group. Shared a story with us, and um, she told how she had come into a life of the church and she was excited and she, she loved the diversity of all the different nationalities and people that were part of the life of the church. And so, as she came in, she um, I have a sound of thunder. The kids are obviously jumping around upstairs. The Sunday church is great for that. And so, she comes in and she tells us that she came into the life of the church and she went through the normal process like you would expect everyone to do. We, we people come into the life of the church and they journey from being new, so like somebody that visits for the first time, and you just come in and see actually whether, is this the place?
basically God is calling you to be a part of. Because He doesn't, He hasn't called everyone to be a part of Well of Life. Some people are supposed to be a fellowship of Emirates, and some people are supposed to be King's Revival or City Life or whatever it is. Because I believe 
we believe as a, as a leadership, and I hopefully you believe, and if you don't, by the end of this message today, I think you will believe that community is not an optional extra in the life of a church. You know, like when you, you book, you're making a booking or something, and they, 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 you've got certain fields to fill up, they've got asterisks, and those are not optional. You have to fill in with asterisks, but the other ones you can leave out if you want to. And it's sometimes we think, well, community might be one of those things. I want Jesus. I want him, but I don't want community. And I don't believe that community is an optional extra. And so when we see situations where we get it, we get, we, we're building community well, we ought to celebrate those moments and, and rejoice in it, like we did with Sarah and Chantal that time. But when we don't see it, then I think we ought to, we ought to grieve, we ought to repent, and we ought to respond and say, okay, Lord, how do we adjust this? What changes should we be making to be able to build community? One day when we get to stand before God and say, hey, Lord, we did an amazing job. And you just give me our report back in heaven. We come through this early gate and stand before the King of Kings and say, we've got this many people saved and we worshiped this much and we did this and we did that. And we go, look, we, we, didn't, we weren't able to do community because, you know, we, we felt like we need to sacrifice that in order to get this. The Lord will not receive us. There is, there is, um, there is things that He's called us to do. When the Pharisees were coming to Jesus and they were talking about Doctrine is revealed 
and then study that passage because it's normally the simplest and clearest presentation of it. And then as you go on in Scripture, it builds upon that foundation. And so we see this, for example, with the, the whole story about blood. And let me just pick this up. The next slide. Let me come. There you go. There's the back one. The forward one. The back one. Go to the slide that I'm on. Jason, you can wait. One more. There we go. That's it. So in Genesis 4, chapter 10, chapter 4, verse 10, it speaks about the fact it's the first mention of blood. Cain killed his brother. God comes to Cain and says that uh, his blood is crying out. And if from that we get the understanding that blood equals human life. A little bit further on in, in, in chapter 9, verse 6, um, God speaks, he's putting the laws in place. He says that if somebody murders somebody else, their life must pay for it. It goes back to the same principle that we saw in um, chapter 4 and verse 10, that blood, there's a, there's a justice required in association with blood. And then as we go on in the scripture, we get to Exodus chapter 12, which is the story of, obviously, the Exodus of Israel from Egypt, and uh, the last of the plagues, the Passover, when the, 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 the angel of death is going to um, come and take the life of every single firstborn person, the firstborn son in the whole land, Israelites and Egyptians, except that what happens Israelites are instructed to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, and the Spirit of God, that Spirit of death, passes over. And so there's blood, there's justice slash judgment, and then there's the idea of a substitute that comes in. And then in Leviticus chapter 17, um, Moses is actually instructed by God to, um, this is what it actually says in verse 11, the life of the creature is in the blood. I've given it to you to make atonement for yourself. And so take the Lamb, sacrifice the Lamb, and the blood of the Lamb is a substitute in the place of and washes away your sin. Then in Isaiah 53, the idea of this substitute is expanded even further as Isaiah prophesies about the coming Messiah who will be this substitute that will die in our place. In John 1, 29, John the Baptist cries out his deep voice cross, the Lamb of God who, um, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then this theology is further developed throughout the New Testament, but in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, the writer of the book says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so we see that we take the law first mention, we, we follow it through the scriptures until we get to a, a fully developed doctrine around it. And we see the same thing um, in the book of Genesis of community. And obviously, being the book of beginnings, there are a lot of first mentions in the book of Genesis. And so the first few chapters of Genesis are actually really important. Some of you say, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. But that's where God mentions so many things for the first time. The first time he mentions covenant or marriage, so many things. And one of the things is community. Genesis 1, 3, 6, that I read to you in a, uh, in a few minutes ago. Community is, uh, is in the Godhead. And, and I am created in the image of community. Just keep your brain wrapped around that thing. Rob Hudson is created in the image of community, of a seed. I am designed, I'm created for community. In Genesis 2 verse 18, God says of man, He says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. He, he made this and was good. He made that and was good. He made this and was good. But it's not good for man to be alone. In um, Genesis 12 verse 2, when He's speaking to Abraham and He's making covenant with Abraham, He talks about how He's going to make from Abraham a great nation that are going to be His. And later on, in um, Genesis 17, I'll see what scripture I gave you, I don't know what that says, and uh, 1 Kings 6, verse 
30, he talks about the fact that this nation of people, of, of Israel rather, are his people. They are my people. And then um, Zechariah 2, verse 11, and we can all give thanks for this, because he says, And many nations, South Africans, Sri Lankans, Indians, English, Australians, Kiwis, wherever you come from, many nations shall join themselves to the Lord of that day and shall be my people and a world people. And the narrative continues in the New Testament. Jesus says in John 17, verses 21, verse 21, he says, I pray that they will be one, speaking of us believers, they will be one even as you and I are one. The same unity that is in the Godhead, the same community that is in the Godhead, Jesus prays that we would have that same community as well. And so we see the idea of, of us being individuals who are brought into the part of the nation, citizens in a nation, we're part of a, a community, and then it goes further, we become part of a family that grows together. It's one thing to be South African or to be Malaysian or whatever citizen you are, the city in which you live, but it's another thing to be in a family. Am I right? To belong to a community or to a family like that. And Jesus, when he's asked by his disciples to teach him how to pray, starts with these words with this. How do you start the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. Our Father. Who's Father? Our Father. It's one of the reasons why even when we sing that song today, I believe. It is good that you believe it, but you know what's much more important? Is that we believe it. Is that we as a community can say, we believe this. We believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe our God is three in one. We believe it. Our Father. We are part of a family. It's implicit in this is that God is takes on the, the role of father. He's not the head of a government. He's not the king on his throne only. He's not just the Lord God Almighty. He's Papa. He's Daddy. He's, what, he's whatever you as a father get called in your home, whatever your, you call your dad. I call my dad Pops. Hey Pops, how you doing? So he's my Pops. He's my dad. He's, 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 there's an intimacy of family that comes. But more than that, he's our Pops. Which means that we are, get ready for it, we are brothers and sisters. Can you believe it? We have the same father but a different mother. We have, we have one top over all of us and we are brought together in this family. And Jesus exemplified this and he taught this and he wants us to live in it as well. And the reason why I'm at pains to express to you that we are supposed to be um, biblical communities because I believe it is the ABC, authentic biblical community. It is the ABC of our faith that we understand that we are not saved saved as individuals, but not to live as individuals. We are saved into a community. There's this wonderful quote by the theologian called Stanley Brent, and he says this, The Church of Jesus Christ is not a club we join. We were thinking of trying to figure out how we get to the best thing our internet says. Maybe we set up a club, and then it actually would be a business with the club, but it's not. The Church of Jesus Christ is not a club. It's not a golf club. It's not a pigeon club. It's not a shooting club. It's not a whatever cycling club or whatever you association. It's, it's not that. We are not members of a giant organization. We're not Google or Microsoft. Rather, we are a special people. We are a people in relationship with God who saved us through Christ, listen to this, and a people in relationship with each other who together share in God's salvation. We were never, our faith is never meant to be something that is just personal to us. It's, it, of course, each of us makes our own um, response to Christ, but as we get saved, you know that there are, I can't remember how many baptisms there are. There's a baptism in water, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, a baptism into suffering, 
And there's a, there's a, a first, this is the first chapter, which is baptism into Christ. And that actually, when we come to salvation, when we give our life to Christ, we are baptized at that moment into Christ and we become a part of the body of Christ. You cannot have Christ without the body. Sorry to say, but that's what we're hoping. I would often say, leading a church would be easier if there weren't people. But that actually is what the church is, you know. And uh, so we, we need to figure out what it's like. How do we um, live in this city community with the modern growth of the church? You hopefully are sitting there thinking, well, what do you want from us, God? I'm really glad you asked that question. So the first thing we want is a Holy Spirit revelation. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to come into us and show us that the, the local church is God's designed to care and disciple His people and to demonstrate or be a heavenly prototype of what that community is that we're going to be in one day. We know that we won't get to heaven one day and have our mansion away from everybody else. Like we go to heaven and we can say, well, Don't worry, we're going to put on our 45 inch, I don't know how big heaven TV, TVs would be in heaven, but geez, I'm going to sit in my truck online, I'm going to watch TV in heaven. This is, this is amazing. That's not what heaven's going to be like. We're going to be with each other. We're going to be in community. Revelation 7 speaks of those that cannot be counted, that are before the throne of God, of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and they're worshiping Him together. We're going to rub shoulders. And the good thing is, just come in with brother and sister. They're just to irritate each other. They're gone. And more importantly, and this is the really good part, there's a sin that's in you that caused you to be irritated that's going to be gone as well. So God calls us to community. In Galatians 6 verse 10, it says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all believers, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The Holy Spirit has got to make this a revelation to us. Stanley Brent again says this, The New Testament writers repeatedly use the designation church to refer to a local congregation of believers. So the point here is we're not just talking about the universal church because it's easy to love everybody in the universal church. But they don't do the thing that irritates them. I mean, has anybody here ever been irritated by anybody else's church? Put your hand up. Be honest now. Have you ever? I mean, I heard some people talking this morning. I know there are more hands than this. I, I had conversations with you. I know you were irritated. Has anybody here ever been irritated? Maybe just one with their spouse. Anybody? See, now the hands go up, eh? Have you ever been irritated maybe just once by your, one of your children or by your parents? I mean, see the hands coming. The, the, the reason God puts them in the midst of us is actually because they're supposed to irritate. That's their job. That they're doing their job because it's our spiky bits that are sticking out that they're bumping against. Stop hitting my spike of impatience. Why are you going against my spike of greed? Because as we rub against each other, iron sharpens iron and we become more like Jesus Christ. But if we had so much room around us, all our spikes would stay wherever they want. My greed and my impatience would just carry on like this. That's why we say get married young. Because when you get older and older, your spikes just keep growing like this. And then you get married, and then you're going to find out what it's like to have those two kids together. And so God puts us not in a theoretical community, but in a real community. This is church. He actually has ordained before time that that irritating person would be with you in this church. That, I don't know, whatever it is, maybe it's the accent that drives you crazy, or the way that they walk, or you get irritated by the silliest things. See what I do. 
And uh, he says here, use in the New Testament as a guide, leads us to conclude, listen to this, that whatever else it may be, the church is a visible fellowship of Christ's disciples in a specific location. Church exists whenever believers join together with one purpose of walking with one another as God's people under Christ's authority and by the empowerment of His Spirit. I want this revelation to come into all of your hearts that this local church is God's plan of community for you in this season. You see, you can't sit on the outside and just look in. You can't say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be like a drive through Starbucks. You're kind of drive, I'm not getting out of my car. I'm not engaged. I'm just going to drive through on a Friday. I'm looking for the word. I'm my hand up just on worship. And then I'm going to carry on and go on and yell again. No one's going to actually impact my life. No, no. We get out of the car. We, we, we touch hands together. We hug. We talk. We cry. We laugh. We do all of those things together because that's what community is about. The problem is, though, how does it go from here to here? That, they say, is the longest journey that we can ever go through from a head knowledge. So Jesus said, Rob, I, I can tell you today all about the love of God. You can then repeat back to me what I've said. You can quote the scripture to me about the love of God. But unless you've had a revelation of the love of God, you're going to be living this Christian life that goes up and down because you're not really sure whether God actually loves you. Somewhere along the line, all of us are hoping this will have come to the place where we've had a revelation of the love of God. We just go like, it doesn't matter now. What I hear, it doesn't matter what anybody says to me. I know I'm loved by God. It's like if you've grown up in a, in a loving family where your mom and dad have loved you unconditionally, nothing can take that away from you ever again. It's done. It's, you've had a revelation, and we need to have a revelation about community. We, I can teach you about it. We can teach you over the next nine weeks. You can quote the scriptures back to us. We can quote unbelievably catchy headings that we've given you, and we can quote all that stuff. But unless it goes from here to here, we're not going to live out community. So how does that come? 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4 to 6 says this. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He's chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and despite the severe suffering, you welcomed the message with glory given by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that revelation of conviction comes through those three steps. First of all, you hear about it. Okay? You hear it being proclaimed. Then you see it. So Paul says, it, it, it didn't come simply with words, but it did come with, was it? Words. He spoke about it. There was a message that was proclaimed. How can they believe unless they hear the gospel? And how can they hear unless someone sees? And so it has to be the preaching of the message. So you hear it. You see it lived out. You, you know how we lived among you. Imitated our example. Then it's received. You, you welcome this message. So you hear me say it, so you go, oh, you know, I've seen examples. You know, I see it lived out. Some of the things that Rob said, I've, I've got stories like that as well. And so you, you welcome it. So, okay, I agree. I give mental assent to what's being said. Then it's tested. And this is the part that's the real challenge. Because in spite of severe suffering, there's a severe suffering that came around the message. And I believe God is going to test us in this era of community over the next however uh, long. One of the things that's going to come out of this is a shift in the way that we're going to do our life groups. We're going to be introducing a whole new strategy in the way of doing this life. That we, we want to try and fit into the rhythms and the, the, the sense of how the city works. And, uh, but I believe we are going to be tested. People are going to be more irritating over the next 12 weeks. I mean, nine weeks. Bears, 
you know, bear with it. Take a seat. When, when it becomes sacrificial, one thing I hate about the Bible, and there's not a lot I hate about it, um, but it goes about 50 degrees. I hate that. Um, I hate the guy that goes from the fast lane to the tunnel in three seconds. I, I hate that. I hate the fact that when I do it, people hoot at me. I hate, I hate the fact, and this is the one that I really do hate, that um, people commit to something and they break their word in Christ's name. Like, I'll be there, and, and what they really say is an asterisk. If everybody, anybody says, I'll do it, there's an asterisk that says, unless something better comes up. That, that's what the culture is like. I've been to weddings where people that have said they're coming to weddings didn't come because they had a hard day's work. Or, what? What? I'm, I'm honestly, if I invited you to my wedding and you didn't come because you had a hard day at work, you would have a hard day when I got back from my honeymoon. I promise you. Are you freaking kidding me? You know how much it cost me to invite you to this wedding. Are you bonkers? You had a hard day at work. And yet so often when it comes to the things of God, we, we hear the truth and we think just like, it's too hard. Just to quote my Australian friends, it's too hard. It's too hard. Too difficult. It's like, yes, it's hard and it's difficult. We've got to do it. We've got to, that's how it goes from here to here. And the Lord is going to test this resolve in us that we need God that it becomes a revelation. We need a revelation, and we, secondly, we need a Holy Spirit transformation, which is my third point. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to come into us and change the attitudes that are blockages to our calling to Him. And there's so many of those things inside of us. In the Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 25, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this. He says, Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That word corrupt means rotten. So the old man has died. What happens when something dies? So you don't want that rat to die in the roof of your house because it's going to begin to stink. It's going to rot. And Paul's saying that old man is dead. You stop wearing it. Put it off. Take it off. It died with Christ. Why are you carrying that dead thing around with you? And it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is us being clothed in Christ, created after the likeness of God to true righteousness and holiness. Then he goes on and gets really practical. Therefore, having put away falsehood, in other words, stop lying, let each of us speak the truth with his neighbor. Listen to this, for we are members of one another. And so the process that needs to happen is the Holy Spirit's got to come in and this is going to happen over the weeks as we go through this thing. And he's going to come and he's going to want to take off lying and he's going to want to put on truth. The light is in us. You know, even in the body of Christ. Paul doesn't write this because Ephesus is the only church where people lie to each other. The other churches may be like world of light. He says, tell the truth. When you walk in, you say, how are you doing? You know, I am so good. And I'm absolutely victorious. And actually, you and your wife barely took each other's heads off in the car on the way over here. But as the car, how you brother? How you? Actually, no. But why don't we actually get real with each other? And hey, so you know what? We are struggling. Now we pray because I trust you because you're a friend to me and you're true to me. A friend to me. Would you mind if we got some time and, and I spoke to you a bit about my marriage? And, and just to talk about it. How are you doing? I'm, I'm in the hole financially, so I can't help you. Humility. We want you to take off cynicism and put on wonder. 
He wants us to take up fear instead of vulnerability. He wants us to take up racism. And he wants us to take up ageism. He wants us to take up sexism. And he wants us to put on honor. And he wants us to take up stinginess. And he wants us to put on generosity. But these aren't just external actions. Because it has to come from inside. It has to be a Holy Spirit conversation. Of course we can get to behave in the right way. You know what that's called? Political correctness. And how's that doing in the world today? Now there's a there's this revolt against them. Everyone's going, you know what? I actually, and what, whatever the opposite is, the truth is I actually hate Indian people. I hate black people. I hate white people. But what I don't know, the change is forced on the outside. It's not inside. But when the Holy Spirit comes and He deals with our prejudice and He deals with our pride and He deals with our cynicism, then actually we can love people that are completely different to us. See, we don't want surface love in the church of Jesus Christ. We want genuine love. And, and with that, the last thing that the Holy Spirit calls us, the last thing we need is Holy Spirit, Spirit empowered participation. Actually, we take responsibility. Actually, we act responsibility. The wonderful thing about this gospel, I went in the beginning through the, the journey of the blood of Christ, that actually God has made provision through the, the sacrificial lamb that his son is, that when he died upon the cross, then he died as a substitute, like those lambs that were offered on the altar. They were pictures pointing to the Christ who would die in our place so that we might have forgiveness of, of our sins, which is profound because it's, it's our sin that condemns us to eternal death, and it's our sin that separates us from God. So if we can have forgiveness, then we can have eternal life, and if we can have forgiveness, we can have reconciliation and adoption with God. So the whole idea, the whole point of the gospel is that those that are outside of God and in rebellion to God can actually come back in again into relationship and become who they were created to be. God made you to be a son and a daughter in his household. That's what he's made you to be. But then for those that are already born again, the, the invitation for, from God is to live in the fullness of it. See, too often we think that salvation is a ticket to heaven. Like I've got my Willy Wonka uh, chocolate factory, golden ticket, I get to go. No, no, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to live in that eternal life that He's called us to even now. And that's why that prayer goes on, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it may not happen everywhere, but it should happen in our life. The kingdom of God should come. Heaven should come down. That divine community that we're a part of, of people that really care for each other, should come to us. And so the participation is that we actually say, okay, I'm going to step into that now. I'm going to step into that now. I watched a video just now, and I'll finish with this, of, um, of watching some YouTube videos on community and things like that, just listening to some guys preaching. And, and I saw this video of a guy, I think, I think he was Malaysian, I can't remember, but from the church that he was uh, in, and Dan, I think, got some proof about it because I was watching it recently. But this guy had brain cancer twice. And he tells the story about his journey while he was a part of the church and how the people cared for him. And uh, he talks about how the fact that he was diagnosed, that people came around and encouraged him and strengthened him and remind him of the promises of God and what they would do. But they, they were there to uplift him. They were there to weep with him when his wife went into Christmas. Then he went to the, as they began the treatment, that the community that were around him began a prayer chain. There was somebody praying for 24 hours a day for this guy as he went through this. And there was a picture of a video of him lying in the bed with his head shaved and all the tubes in him and guys' hands on him as they prayed for him. 
lot of things to be completely helpless if you have others with their hands upon you running things. And while he was in hospital, his family were the family of the church family were around his wife who just had a baby and she was caring for the baby and they were helping clean the house and making meals for her. And then when he finally got um, he was um, released from hospital and was, was now on the road to recovery, different people from his community took him each day to physio. Somebody took him on a Monday to Nelson and see Mr. Nelson on Wednesday. And he said, wow, what an incredible picture of community. And it's not like I can write on a hamster, I don't need to do that. It's however that's expressed in the highs and the lows of everyday life. So we don't just go to the mountain. And if you like me, maybe it's easy to go, well, you know, I've got my wife and I've got my kids and that's enough for me. You weren't created for that place. You see, your spiritual DNA is that you are part of a local church family that in eternity will express in a universal church family. But where it finds expression is here and now. This is where God wants you to participate. And so as we go through the next few weeks, we, uh, we're going to learn how to live not as islands or lone rangers, but as we are called in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, a people for his own possession. We are a people that God's calling us into that. And so my invitation in this first of these preachers is, are you ready? Are you ready for the journey? Can you, can you resolve in yourself to say, okay, Rob, I'm getting on a journey. It's going to be a journey of revelation. It's going to be a journey of transformation. And it's going to be a journey of participation. I'm going to change what I see. I'm going to change my attitudes. And I'm going to change my behavior by the power of the Holy Spirit working. You can choose not to. You can just say, you know what, Rob? I, I don't...